Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. And now for our feature presentation. If there's anything we've ever done that I'm particularly proud of, I, w I would have to say that the uh, perpetuation of the greatness of the Raiders to take a professional football team and give it a distinct characteristic that's different from all others. The greatness of the Raiders. Some may scoff, but what other pro sports team is instantly identified with a song like this one? I had a dream that someday I would build the finest organization in professional sports. There's a commitment to excellence, the greatest players, the flame that would burn brightest here is the will to win. Just win. Play hard. Try not to make mistakes. But don't worry about mistakes because there's only one thing that counts. Just win. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Welcome to another edition of Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo. All right, Q, so new intro. You know, we had a couple weeks off to get things going. Uh, a lot of Al Davis in there. Also had to pay homage to uh, one of the great ones, Nipsey Hussle, rest in peace. So uh, let's get right into it, man. Raiders making a lot of moves in the offseason so far. Uh, they, they, they got one half of my unholy union locked in with Vontez Perfect. All they need now is Indomitian Sue. I'm going to be a happy man. My unholy union will be united like the powers of Voltron. That'd be a, a, a man. It'd be like Thanos with those two on defense where they would hit people, make them just hold like sand. But, and I say that jokingly and sarcastically, uh, but man, it's been a really, it's been really interesting to, to, to see everything that they've been doing so far. What are your thoughts thus far on the offseason? You know, I'll tell you right now, man, I'm really surprised. And obviously with the move for AB, that was huge. But just I was surprised that they were as aggressive and they have been as aggressive as they have. I really did not expect them to go into the offseason and be super aggressive, come right out the out the gate shooting, you know, and, and signing guys in free agency, spending big money in free agency, and getting guys that were good ages. You know, they weren't getting the, the, the old veterans that everyone says that John Gruden just has to have. They were getting guys that yes they have experience in the league but still young you know so I was really not I don't want to say like like blown away but I was just really shocked but in a good way that they were going out there and they were making those moves and I think that overall they know that they have a lot of work to do to make this a competitive team not a team that's a playoff team but a competitive team because in 2018 they weren't competitive I mean they just weren't and I know for the diehard Raider fan for the one that just bleeds silver and black and, and looks through the silver and black glasses that, that's painful to hear but it's the honest to God truth, and I'm a straight shooter. That's just how I am. Uh, as much as I love the Raiders, I'm not going to lie to anybody because that's just disrespectful on my part. So I'm not going to do that. They were not a competitive team in 2018. The Raiders in the offseason, Mike Mayock, John Gruden, that front office, they have made this team competitive enough to get to the draft 
and get some real deal young talent and then really make this team competitive. And then, hey, all bets are off in the AFC West because you just never know how it's going to go. But I respect the fact that John Gruden says, I'm looking up at the Kansas City Chiefs and I'm trying to build a team that could beat them because he knows, I, and just like I know, that they're going to be around for a while. I know that they have some off-field uh, issues. They got some guys that are have off-field issues. You know, that, that could derail something real quick, fast, and in a hurry. But for the most part, they got a guy that could pull the trigger in Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to continue to excel and get better in the league. So the Raiders need to build a team that could defeat those guys. And obviously, the, the, the Broncos are going to continue to get better, and the Chargers are still there. So it's all about defeating the AFC West, and I think that they're putting themselves in a position where they can do that. But they got to hit a home run or a bunch of home runs in the draft as well. I'm just going to recap for those who aren't keeping score what's happened over the last month. Starting, uh, let's say, March 15th, they signed J.J. Nelson, Josh Morrow, and Chaz Green, and they re-signed Jason Cabinda. Uh, they, re- they re-signed uh, Dwayne Harris on the 18th. On the 16th, they cut Donald Penn. On the 19th, they signed Vontez Burfecht. On the 20th, they signed uh, long snapper Trent Sag and cornerback Nevin Lawson. 21st, Jordan Davey, offensive lineman signed. Then they signed uh, the backup quarterback as of right now, Mike Glennon and Curtis Riley on the 22nd. The 26th, they went out and signed Landry Jones, who at one point was the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger on the 28th. That was kind of a big day for me for them when they signed Isaiah Crowell and Brandon Marshall, who I think was a sneaky, sneaky good signing for the Raiders, and he wants to be there in Vegas. Actually, he was having dinner over the weekend with some of his people, and they say he is jazzed about potentially coming to Vegas, playing for the Raiders back home where he uh, went to Cimarron High School. Um, Luke Wilson signed with the Raiders on the 29th. Darrell Worley signed his tenure on uh, April 1st. They signed Ryan Grant, another good receiver who they really liked a lot last year, uh, was injured and didn't pass a physical with the, with the Colts, and it kind of went downhill from there, but he's a guy that that's been very productive and, ha- and has a lot of upside. They cut Seth Roberts a day later on April 4th. They signed uh, Alex Barrett and Jordan Richards on the 5th. Uh, on the 8th, uh, they signed receiver uh, DeMornay Pearson L. And then uh, today, as we record this on April 10th, Jalen Richard signed his tenure as well. So a lot, of, a lot of guys moving in and out. And, you know, something I've seen you with, a guy who's a really good follow, it's uh, – Nova um, on Twitter. Yeah. You guys had a, had a really good conversation going, and um, he's very logical, and he brought up a good point today in the conversation. And I kind of interjected my point and kind of bounced out of it. I didn't see the reply. But he said, you know, there's only X amount of spots on the team, and there's the draft picks, and there's more draft picks than spots. Do you think that there's a way that the Raiders, you know, basically use every draft pick for a potential slot? And, and my comment to that was, and I want to get your take on it, bro, like, for me, there's guys on the back end of the roster and even guys that's maybe in the middle of the roster that once were considered core guys, they're guys that I don't think the Raiders have a lot of hope in and, and a lot of like trust in to keep on the team going forward. So whether or not they, they use, I think there's going to be a lot more moves that's going to be made that's going to allow them to have roster flexibility. And some of those guys on the roster right now, some of those veterans will not be there because they're going to go out and get some rookies. And I think you're going to see Mayock and, and Gruden be very aggressive in this draft and target guys that they specifically wanted. And just like with Mohurst last year where they got aggressive to go get him, be the same way this year in this draft. Yeah, and see, that's my thing. And that was a really good tweet that uh, he had. Uh, and he is a really good follow. And he always comes up with a lot of different logical uh, explanations behind things. I know sometimes I'll tweet out something and he'll say, well, if you look at it like this, then it's, you know, it, then you can also get this idea out of it. So he, he brings 
brings like both sides of the story and that's really good because sometimes that's how you need to break things down is from di multiple different angles but my point of it and, and where this all stemmed from was the fact that i said the raiders have eight draft picks right now i believe by the end of the draft they're going to have about 12 I, that's just my that's just my gut feeling. And so, you know, his his basic point is, well, if you get 12 draft picks and you go in and draft 12 guys, then there's people on the roster that aren't going to make the roster. But see, my point is that's OK. That's OK, because you're trying to build a team full of talent. You're trying to get the best 53 guys out there. That's ultimately what you want. You want to field a team with as much talent as possible. The Raiders in 2018 were lacking a lot of talent. And so there's some veterans that are on the team right now that, like you just mentioned, might not be there. And they might have just signed them. But they might have just signed them right now just in case they're not able to get that guy in the draft or they're not able to get that guy as an undrafted free agent. Let's not forget about this fact. Once the draft hits and they go through the draft, there's going to be a lot of guys that don't get drafted. They're also going to grab undrafted free agents. There's also going to be other teams that cut guys that they have because, oh, well, hey, we just got a younger, better one of this guy. So there's going to be some veterans, some pretty big names that will get cut shortly after the draft, and they might decide to go and poach a guy like that. Just because there's a lot of players, and you went through all the all the names and transactions that the Raiders have done this offseason, I think they've made like 18 total moves, maybe 19, 20, whatever. Just because they're making those moves outside of some of the really big names, none of those cats are guaranteed a spot unless they go into training camp and earn that spot, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for competition. I'm not looking for guys who think, oh, my spot is there. I'm looking for guys like a Jalen Richard, who you just mentioned, signed his his second round tender this is a guy who earned a job on a camp invite over the weekend he didn't yep. you know what i'm saying like he's not a guy who was drafted he wasn't an undrafted free agent he was a guy who was invited to alameda over a weekend and said show us what you got and he earned his spot and the raiders gave him a second round tender you want to talk about a compliment that's a guy who has been looking over his shoulder since he's been in Alameda, since he's been a member of the Raiders, because he doesn't want someone to take his spot. He's done everything he can. He's had his highs. He's had a few lows, but he's had his highs. And he continues to grind and work and work. That's what I want to see, guys that are hungry for their spot, who doesn't want the next man to take him. I don't care if you're a veteran. I don't care if you're a rookie. You can get got as long as you're not out there working. That's another reason why the addition of uh, Antonio Brown is so key because he's a guy who will who will put that in these younger guys' mind. Like, hey, I was a sixth-round draft pick, not a first round. I wasn't Amari Cooper. I wasn't picked number four overall in the first round. I wasn't the heir apparent to, you know, oh, I'm not the next Tim Brown. No, A.B. was just a guy. The Steelers drafted him in the sixth round. He was probably going to be a special teams dude and maybe a, a wide receiver if they needed some help. He earned what he got. So that's what he's going to try, and that's what I'm assuming he's going to try to relay to the new guys on the roster, the young cats on the Raiders roster that they draft, they sign, whatever they do, kind of instill that work ethic in them. That's what gets me so excited and gets me so fired up and motivated about what the Raiders are doing. But, yeah, with that conversation, man, I'm looking for about 12 guys that they're probably going to get. I think they're going to trade back a couple times, just like they did uh, in, in 2018's draft. They traded back a couple times. They traded up a couple times. I mean, they're just going to make some moving and shaking. They're going to be very flexible. But just to say that, oh, we got eight picks already, that's enough, That's I think that's silly. Like, you don't just say, that, oh, that's, that's, eight, that's eight picks. That's plenty. No, because how do you know that eight guys are going to be good? The chances of eight guys being good is terrible. That's not going to happen. You know what I mean? The chances of all three of the guys in the first round being good is is very, very minimal. You know what I mean? Well, you... that's if they keep all three guys in the first round. They exactly. very easily, like, let's be honest, if they don't, they don't like somebody at four or like, if they feel that person's going to slide back a bit, let's say the Giants feel like, you know what, we want to go get our guy right away and we can, we'll give up a one next year and a three this year for you to move back two spots. 
And then at that four spot, they're there, and they can still get a Josh Allen or a Keenan Williams at the at the six spot. And by picking up a one next year and a three this year, I'm pretty sure they would do that because the, the risk reward is is greater. And, you know, it's less of a risk and more of a reward because you're at now you're at another first round pick. And that's just a hypothetical situation. I don't know if that's been talked about. I know that the Giants, I mean, there's a lot of talk that's being scuttled about right now. And I think Daniel Jeremiah tweeted out, you know, anything you hear for the next two weeks is more than likely all lies. If it's coming from NFL people, he's 100% right. Like, that. that's the honest-to-God's truth. Whatever someone says, well, Soros said this guy's climbing up a board. No, honestly, at this point, the boards are set. There's no movement on a board. They know where guys are. They may go back and check somebody out based off of a medical issue like Hollywood Brown or or somebody like that, 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 that they, a team hasn't had the time or, you know, they had, they had the, hadn't done the due diligence to see where a guy's at. They meet with them and says, oh, my, my foot's fine. Here's where it is. That may readjust some things, but for the most part, boards are set. But I could see the Raiders dealing back, even, even in the back half of round one, less than they deal that 24 and drop to like 30 or 27 and 30, and they're able to add a third-round pick, maybe add a second-round pick, a two and a three this year, I could see them doing something like that. So I agree with you 100%. I think the Raiders are actually in a really good position to, to, to really control the draft, and I think they can at four. The Jets are going to be the, the crucial spot early in the draft. If Kyler Murray goes one, hey, look, there's a lot of stuff about Nick Bosa that's been coming out in terms of his political beliefs and how that would jive in the Bay Area. You know, Jed York may not want that type of guy with in his uniform representing his team with those political beliefs in that area. That could be a, a spot where the 49ers go ahead and take a Keenan Williams or even decide to go a different route, and which leads the Jets there. Now you have a team like the, Jet, uh, like the Giants. You have a team like Miami, the, the Bengals, uh, the, the Redskins. Those are teams that would like to trade up for a quarterback, potentially, you know, and jump ahead of the Giants for that matter. Let's say the Jets make a deal with, hypothetically, the Bengals, and they take Dwayne Haskins. Well, the, that leaves other teams now shuffling. you got Daniel Jones, the Raiders sitting at four. I've said, and I told you this privately, and I told you that I sit on this as well as other shows, I think the Giants have targeted Daniel Jones, the Duke quarterback, as the guy they want to replace Eli Manning based off of his history with Eli Manning, his history with David Cutcliffe, who coached Eli Manning as his head coach at Ole Miss. The quarterback coach uh, for, uh, for Duke was Eli Manning's backup. So there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of Manning ties to Jones. I can see the, the Giants, and you know what, we'll give up this and that and move up with the Raiders. Now that just opens up the draft board in a variety of ways. And it makes the draft wide open. And the way the draft is settled, Q, you know as well as anybody. At this point, because of the CBA, because of the slotted salaries, it makes it a lot more fun draft for guys to move around and be movers and shakers. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, again, that's the beauty of the draft because you just don't know how it shakes out. You think you know. You think you have an exact idea of how things going to get started. But, really, I mean, it's all at the beginning. If it starts the way most people think it's going to start, with Kyler Murray going off the board number one, then okay. Then you got three defensive players right there. Uh, you know, two, three, and four, I think, is going to happen. You know, unless – 
the Raiders can continue to do their their due diligence and continue to, to make it look like they really are in love with Dwayne Haskins and a team like the Giants, who I think might uh, might target him, or a team like, uh, I don't know, like you mentioned, the Dolphins or the Redskins or the Broncos. I mean, there's so many different teams that need quarterbacks. Any of those teams decide, hey, we're, we need to jump up in front of the Raiders because they're going to take our guy. You know, I, I see defense coming off the board the next, you know, three guys. But again, because of the uncertainty of what's really going on and what's real and what's not, and again, and I saw that tweet from Daniel Jeremiah about don't don't believe anything in these last two weeks because it is absolute BS. I mean, it is. That's exactly what it is. That's the beauty of it. You got to kind of try to decipher what's real and what's not. And and again, that's what makes this whole process so much fun and so intriguing. And just can't wait until that Thursday in Nashville, Tennessee, to get everything started and see how these guys start falling off this board. Well, you're going to be there, so I, I I fully expect us to record at least one show while you're at the draft maybe do some other things around because, you know, you're going to be at ground zero, which is a completely dark kind of, if I didn't have to go conduct business meetings and be in business meetings this past weekend, I'd probably be there as well. But, you know, let me ask you this, man. And, and this is just from the outside looking in, um, we, as we both are, Antonio Brown has, has kind of got back on Twitter and Instagram and kind of started taking shots at, at Juju Smith-Schuster. And Juju fired back, and then AB, you know, shared a, a private, you know, a private DM from from Instagram uh, with Juju while he was at USC, his junior, asking him, you know, for any tips to become a better wide receiver. Is it me, or and I'm not saying AB's being petty because some could say Juju started it by putting the picture on Instagram saying that he's ready to take over, and AB was in the background and happened to be against the Raiders. Or that he said that he's happy to work with a legend like Ben Roethlisberger, who, by all accounts from people that's in and around the team, some people will say Ben has been the biggest problem. Is AB being petty? And is he a pain in the ass like Jack Del Rio said, in your opinion? You know, I, I do think he's being petty. I think Juju's being petty. I think anyone who really trips off of what's going on on social media is also being petty because I really don't care about what's going on on social media. There's only so much, and you know firsthand, there's only so much that really even matters on social media. People fire off whatever. Everyone's a, a tough guy on, on Twitter or a tough guy on Instagram, and I don't subscribe to that. I just I don't get caught up in all that. So uh, as I think it's petty and I think that, you know, A.B. should just move on and not worry about what's going on in Pittsburgh, if that's what kind of gets him a little bit more jazzed and a little bit more wired and, and you know, g- gives him a little bit more edge than he already has, I'm okay with it. Uh, I just kind of hope that it, it he- ends sooner rather than later, and I know he came out and said that he's not giving any more of the media uh, guys any any more fuel or whatever or trolls be trolls whatever he said you know uh, so I'm thinking that he's moving on from it but yeah I mean sh- sharing that message that he sent he sent from uh, or Juju sent from him while he was at USC that was unnecessary because it wasn't anything bad you know it was <laughs> it was him asking for help which I think is cool I know I've done that in my profession a couple times reach out to people that I respect and say oh, yeah. hey what do you think about this what do you think about that they shared that on 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 Twitter fine <laughs> you know what Q's just trying to get he's, he's hungry and he's trying to get better so uh, I would respect anybody who's doing that so I don't think that there was anything wrong that Juju did and I just think that you know AB has a little bit of edge and a little bit of you know something in his neck that he wants to get out still and so as long as he gets it out now and gets it out before you know training camp and it's time to go before it's actually go time I'm all right with it but yeah it's it's, it's all a bunch of pettiness as far as I'm concerned this may be me being somebody that got a chance to cover and know Juju since high school um while at USC um know some of his family members um, had conversations with him. I actually think it really made Juju look good when he, when AB shared that message because what it does there is um, 
shows a young guy that is very humble, humble, and and asking for one of the best, which he says you're one of the greats. I want to learn. You know, is there anything, any tips you'd like to give me? It just reinforces what type of person Juju is. If I'm John Gruden or Mark Mayock, I, I would have a phone call with Antonio Brown, and I would say, you know what, you're wearing silver and black, you're not in black and gold, black and yellow, whatever. You're, you're, you're a Raider right now. Let's go kick the ass during the season. Let's not worry about this, this petty crap on Twitter or on Instagram or anything else. You and Tyrell Williams lead this group as two guys that – we're six-round and undrafted as a receiving group. You guys lead the receiver room. Show these young guys who we're going to bring in or these guys that we have here just what it takes to become a, a very good and, and outstanding professional football player and, more importantly, be great Raiders. I don't think there's going to be any backlash or drama, but I do think there are going to be some people that target him. He's had a few concussions in his career by way of Vontez Burfick, now a teammate of his. I think there's going to be some teams that are going to look at him and say, okay, we're going to go after A.B. just for his mouth. Some guys that are willing to say that. Eric Weddle is one of them. Said, you know, talking about classless and a few other guys that pop off at the mouth. You know, I guess I'm from the school that says this. I don't mind dudes talking head. I love when guys talk head. If it's me and you, Q, and we're, and we're going at each other, I switch to say me and you. I don't need the peanut gallery jumping in. Right. Especially, especially guys that were jumping teams to try to get rings not guys that have stuck with teams through their entire career to get a ring. You know, and I know some things about a player that popped off in that because we're from the same area. If he really wants to talk about classless, he needs to look in the mirror for some of the things that he did. So I think before you, you start uh, calling the kettle black, you need to look at yourself and see where you're at. Fans, you know, and it sounds really messed up to say, and I don't mean any disrespect by saying this, but fans just don't understand. We're not, you're not in that realm. You're not in that group. You're not in that circle. And until you are... You know, you could say, well, I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do that. But you never know what's being said behind behind the scenes. And maybe A.B. just had enough. But I, I personally don't think – I think he's a focus on being a Raider. I don't think he needs all the extra stuff. And at this point, again, if I'm Gruden or Mayock, I tell him, you know, chill. You know, chill out a little bit. Let's let's see where, how everything plays itself out. Go out there, on, you know, in the season and go kick everybody's ass. Get up and down the field and kick everybody's ass and let's – Let's make it happen. Yeah, I think that there might be a couple of those cats that try to do that. There might be a couple of those cats that talk about it and don't do it. I know Justin Reed is one of those guys from the Texans, a safety from the Texans, said he can't wait to go out there and smash him. Yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, it, it is what it is, man. Those guys have, have the goals to go out there and smash him every time they, they step between those lines. So uh, we'll see how it shakes out. I think some guys will say something, but – ultimately man a lot of these cats are on twitter or on instagram they're in their feelings they're you know what i mean they're seeing what fans are saying about them because they didn't get their fantasy points or whatever and you know it's just it's 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 crazy i think it should stay between you know uh side a and side b and, and it doesn't need the rest of the side dishes but that's just how it is when it's out there in a public public uh you know area like that like like twitter twitterverse or instagram or whatever you know it's I don't know, man. It's just it's just silly to me. And again, I think that Gruden and Mayock probably did say something to him. You know, that's probably why he said he's not going to feed the media anymore. He just said, "Hey, man, just just chill out a little bit. Let's uh, you know, let's let's go out and win some games. Let's go out and uh, you know build this team. Let's let's do some great things together. Don't worry about that." 
uh, everything else I've been seeing from him on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, him working out with Bill Romanowski and, you know, continue to grind, grind, grind. I know he's out there in, in Hayward. He's been working out at the high school up there. Uh, and he, or, and yeah, in Hayward, he was working up at Cal Berkeley. I mean, he was doing all kinds of different workouts. So uh, I respect the fact that he's just in the Bay and he's grinding. So, you know, keep, keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry about Juju. Don't look in the back. You know, don't look in the rearview mirror. Don't look at the past. Just keep trucking forward, man. Let's make things happen. That's, that's, that's the message that I think John Gruden needs to send to him if he hasn't already. Tell me a Bill Romanowski. Isn't a guy, you, you know, when you're, like, he called him Uncle Bill. Like, that just fits. You know, like, oh, I'm going to go play for the Raiders. Let me call Bill Romanowski. You know, I'm going to call Uncle Bill and see, you know, and have him check out my workouts and give me anything, some new some advice on some new workouts or whatever. I think that's pretty cool. I did, too. I, I really did. When I saw him in the very first video and, you know, he had him working out and he was saying stuff, I'm just hanging out with my Uncle Bill, just working, working, working. Like, he went out of his way to go ahead and, and contact this dude or, or get a hold of him as soon as possible and get to work. I mean, you know, and, and look, I mean, a lot of people will say, well, why is he documenting? Why don't he just do it? Well, I mean, that's just what he does. He's going to document it, and I'm fine with it. Just keep on grinding. I love the fact that Romanowski is out there helping him because I think that they're they're very similar. I mean, they're different kind of cats, but they're at the same time. They're they're very edgy. They they want to win at everything. They want to be the best at everything. So uh, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that he's out there working with Romanowski. I'm happy that he's out there, you know, running routes with Carr and trying to get on the same page with Carr. I mean, this is stuff that's happening before even the draft. He don't have to be doing that. You know, I mean, he doesn't have to. He, he could just rest on the fact that he's really good and he's going to make things happen by the time this, the regular season rolls around. But instead, he's going to keep working and working and working and doesn't want to get caught. I do feel like when he was in Pittsburgh, knowing that Juju was drafted in the second round and A.B. was a six-round draft pick, I think that had a little something to do with it as well. You know, I mean, as much as he embraced them and showed them love when they were both together in Pittsburgh, I think at the same time he's thinking, hey, man, did you bring this new bright, shiny car for when, uh, you know, I'm getting it done on a, on a high level and wait a minute, man, you didn't get me till the sixth round. You know what I mean? This cat, he went to yeah. U- USC. I went to Central Michigan. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that go through AB's mind, and and I get it, man. You know, I want better for myself. I'm sure you want better for yourself as well, and sometimes I look at some of the cats that are in positions that I'd like to be in and think, <laughs> I can do what he's doing. I can do it better, and, I, and I'm hungrier than he is. You know what I mean? So I, I, can, I can see where that edge would come from, and I, I respect it a little bit. You know, I don't want him to get crazy and just, you know, use that as a crutch and say, hey, it's, it's all about my edge. It's all about my edge it's all about my hunger and where i came from i get that don't use it as a crutch but use it as something that motivates you so if that's what he takes and it, that's what it needs to be for him to be motivated i'm all for it man go ahead handle your business well what we're gonna do right now is take a quick break and come back to you with nothing but draft talk we're gonna break down multiple positions what we think the raiders may or may not do guys to keep an eye on and i want to uh pick your brain a little bit plus we got some questions from some some email questions from people who emailed us and have and there's a lot of them so we're going to get to those as well you're listening to Q&A on the Silver and Black Pridecast Network powered by SB Nation With threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo, talking Raiders, Raider Nation. Okay, so we talked to you before about, you know, we talked, we went over A.B. and and that drama. We talked about potential draft moves and up and down as far as working the draft, what the Raiders may or may not do. We've even talked about some of the transactions that the Raiders have done thus far. But now it's time to talk about the NFL's birthday present to me. That's what I called it for well, almost 20 plus years when the draft was held around April 18th, which is my birthday. Now they pushed it back, but I always said it's NFL's birthday present to me because see, I'm a little bit older. No, we're the same age. That's right. So you remember when the, you remember when the NFL draft was on Sundays and then Mondays? I remember when it was on Saturday and Sunday. Okay, no. Before that, they had it on Sunday and then Monday. And I think they changed that in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, I was sick. I stayed home from school sick every Monday when the draft was on. <laughs> oh, no, I'll tell my grandparents, um, yeah, draft's on. You might as well just cut that sick note right now. I refused to go to school. I would sit there and watch Uncle Mel, Uncle Chris, Uncle TJ, you know, as he got into it and watched the draft. So that was the NFL's present to me. It was my birthday present to myself sitting there doing that. So now that the NFL's in prime time, it's a three-day event, which I think is stupid, by the way. I, I do, too. Um, just go Friday, Saturday if you're going to do it, or go Saturday, Sunday. But Friday, Saturday makes a lot more sense. You can go rounds one through three on, on Friday and then four through seven on, on, on Saturday and call it a day. That's just what I think. What do I know? I don't control a billion-dollar business. But it's time to talk draft. And I know we get a lot of guys. My man Sean is always asking me, Joe, like, when you you going to talk about drafts? Literally text me this stuff. Like, when you guys are getting into more draft talk, well, Sean, this is the day. It's all draft talk. So let's talk about realistic options at number four Q. U.S. Stadium came out today and said the, the Raiders are in love or, or think very highly of Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. Uh, everybody says it seems to think if Kyler Murray was there at four, the Raiders would draft Kyler Murray. Uh, then you got Keenan Williams and Josh Allen and Nick Bosa. There is some options, but then there's realistic options. To me, it comes down to two players, and I don't know about yourself. If Bosa's there, he's the no-brainer guy at four. I doubt he'll be there. But it comes down to Keenan Williams and Josh Allen if they're there. I personally think, because the Raiders, I feel, are already locked in at, at defensive tackle, if someone took Josh Allen, that's when you see the, you would really see the, the Raiders kind of move back a little bit and target a guy like Montez Sweat a little bit later in the top ten, or Ed Oliver, for that matter, who I think is grossly underrated. But I think right now the guy that makes the most sense for them and the guy that fits exactly what they need is Josh Allen, the outside linebacker slash defensive end from Kentucky. That's that's the guy that everyone easily pencils in because he's an edge rusher. And, well, the Raiders don't have edge rushers. You know, they got Arden Key, and he was a rookie last year and had one sack. So, and since, since Khalil Mack's gone, it's like, all right, it's got to be an edge rusher. It's got to be an edge. Edge rushers are so hard to find. And Josh Allen did a hell of a job at Kentucky. I mean, 17 uh, sacks. You know, I mean, 17 sacks in a season is, is pretty stinking amazing. My only problem with Josh Allen, and I like him. Let, let me let me say, I do like him. I just don't know how his production shows up in the NFL. 
You know what I mean? I know he did a really good job at Kentucky. I know that that's in, you know, the SEC. I totally get that. But I just don't know. I just don't know with his size. I'm not sure if he's an ideal fit in Gunther's system. I'm just not positive. That's why I lean to Quentin Williams because I think you put him next to Mohurst and you have a nasty combo up the gut, which makes everybody on the outside that much better. Guys are getting their hands, the ball out of their hands so much quicker. I think Williams is the best player in the draft. I really do. Best defensive player in the draft for sure. I think he's, he's, he's no brainer. So the Raiders, in my opinion, it's just my humble opinion. I think they need dudes. They need dudes that are culture changers, guys that are expected to win, guys that have that fire in their belly to win, guys that don't want to take no crap and want to be the best guy on the field. And the thing about Williams, he was a defensive end at Alabama. His first couple seasons at Alabama, he was a defensive end and he couldn't get on the field because he had stud in front of him, stud in front of him, stud in front of him, stud in front of him. He went to the coach and said, Coach, what do I need to do to get on the field? I need to play. And his D-line coach said, well, if you can go to, uh, if you can go to the three technique, then uh, you, know, you can go. He said, all right, gain some weight, and boom. He hit the field and had a hell of a year. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that shows me that this guy just wants to win and is hungry to get out there on the field and be the dude. So I am 100% sold on Williams at number four. If he's there, I'll take the card up there. My damn self will turn it in. I don't care who says no. I'll just run up there and do it. And, you know, you'll have to bail me out later, but that's fine, whatever. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's who I'm sold on at number four. Josh Allen, I'm also sold on at number four if, you know, push comes to shove and you have to – and Williams is already gone. Say the Jets get him. Maybe the 49ers get him. Who knows? Maybe the Cardinals take him. I mean, who, who knows what's going to happen? But if Williams is gone, I could see Devin White or or Josh Allen. And probably Josh Allen will be the guy that would go before Devin White. I don't think linebacker is that necessary, that high. But I think Devin White's a hell of a linebacker, so I wouldn't mind seeing that either. So those are my guys that I, I would pick at number four. But, see, I don't think White fits the scheme. I don't think White fits what – I mean, I think he, he does fit, but I don't think Guther values linebackers. He doesn't. The same way most people do. And I think uh, Kevin Wayne pointed, pointed that, that out, out yeah. to us a while mm-hmm. ago yep. um, on Twitter when he said that. And I wouldn't, we, I think we both agree with that. And I think if you're going to take White, that, you know, you you can get him to trade back a few spots. You're not yeah. going to get him in the top four. Yeah, I don't think. I think Tampa I Bay think, takes him at five, though. That's my only problem. I think Tampa Bay takes him so, at five. But see, my, my, where I disagree with you is he's not better than Roquan Smith, who went seven last year. Roquan went number you eight. Roquan went eight to went Chicago. Eight. But. He's not better than Roquan. You're right. That was my dog. That was my guy. But he's the best linebacker, in my opinion, in this draft. And he's the next closest thing. And he's he's sideline to sideline. He's quick. I mean, and he's a leader. That's the other thing. He's a leader. And the Raiders don't have very many leaders on defense. So that's another reason why I like him. But you have Vontez Burfick. Yeah. You have Brandon Marshall. You yeah. have Whiteside. You're taking a guy at that, at that high. That means Burfick, who's your projected inside linebacker, is it going to be on the field? Because you're not going to have your guy you take number four overall not be on the field. Is Burfitt guaranteed that, to be healthy? Well, there's nobody's guaranteed to be healthy. But is he? You know, gar- no I mean, Derek Carr is going to be healthy. Well, no, I know. But still, with Burfitt's injury history, I don't think that you're really counting on him. I mean, he, hell, with the money that they paid him, they don't. he might not even make it out of training camp. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just I don't think that you worry about who's there in front of him. I think you get the best talent you can get. So I think if you can get white, you can trade back a few spots to get white. I think Tampa Bay is going to go a different direction. I wouldn't be surprising if they took a receiver at that spot. Outside of, of Mike Evans, 
I don't think they have that the depth of receivers gone. I mean, they traded Deshaun Jackson. Right, right. I mean, they got O.J. So, Howard mean, at the tight end position. They got another wide receiver. I forget his name, but they do have another wide receiver that pushed D-Jax last year. So, I mean, they got one there, and I know that they could find one a little bit later. There's a couple guys that they've been looking at, but they just lost Quan Alexander. Remember, I mean, he, he's gone to San Francisco, and that's a that's a big-time loss at that linebacker position. So I, I think, personally, Tampa Bay is going to take Devin White if he's there at number five. Okay, if that's the case, again, I just I'll stick to my guns. I think if Josh Allen is gone, you could. And I'll, I'll I'll take it one step further. The Raiders may reach a little bit and take Montez Sweat Ugh. at four. I wouldn't like I don't that. Say, see, I wouldn't mind it. I I think he's a guy you could plug and play from day one. Not only did he, and I'm not even talking about the combine numbers, which he blew up. He produces on the field. He's had a really really good college career. Is it elite? No, but. He fits what they want to do, fits attitude-wise. I mean, Simmons is a top-five pick if he doesn't tear his AC. Or, you know, if the ACL's not torn, he's, on the, he's a top-ten pick overall because of the background, his teammate at Mississippi State. You can get that guy later in the draft, probably end of round one, beginning of round two, if you wanted a guy like, another guy like that. But I think it wouldn't be surprising. Ed Oliver, Montez Sweat at, at number four, or if they trade back a few spots. I really think that Allen is the guy, and, and let's, let's be real, there are some people who think that Josh Allen is the best, the guy deserving to be number one overall, the number one overall pick in the draft, being the top pick in the draft. To me, it makes way more sense for Josh Allen to fit in at four if it's not him to deal back, accumulate some more picks, and, and look at how your board sets after the, the couple teams pick in front of you. Nothing against Keenan Williams. Nothing against him at all. I just I have a hard time thinking they're going to take him at that spot. I mean, Personally, I think he makes more sense for the Jets at three, considering the potential holes they have in the middle of their defensive line, and then Allen slides down to four. Well, they got but, Leonard Williams, though. The Jets got Leonard Williams there in the middle, too. you got to remember that. They do have a couple dudes in the middle, and, and they don't have any edge rushers. I think Allen goes to the Jets if they stay at three. That's, but, again, that's just my, my gut feeling. I don't disagree with your gut feeling. I just, I, it's the Jets, and they do some wild things on draft night. They make some wild decisions overall. And there's no guarantee Leonard Williams is going to be there in a year. It's true. No, that's true. He's he's coming up on a uh, on a pretty big contract. So no, you're you're right. There's there's four places that the that that Quentin Williams could fall to. Starting at number one, he can go one to four. Honestly, uh, Josh Allen could go anywhere from you know two to four, or or he might even go number one. Like you said, there's that's again that's why there's so much intrigue at the top of the the board, you know. And then on top of that, there's guys that are probably going to be or teams that are going to be willing to trade up to try to get a quarterback. If you look at the quarterbacks that have been taken, I believe over the last century. All the quarterbacks have been traded up for. I mean, you think about it. Just think of the last few years. You know what I mean? All these quarterbacks have been traded up to get. They don't just – guys don't just sit there. Teams don't just sit there and wait for that quarterback to fall. Deshaun Watson, the Texans had to trade up. Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs had to trade up. Mitchell Trubisky, even though it wasn't far, the Bears had to trade up. You know, Carson Wentz, the yeah. Eagles had to trade up. Jared Goff, the, the Rams had to trade up. Everyone's trading up to get a quarterback. So I say that to say there's a good chance that there's going to be some teams that are down that are going to try to trade up and get quarterbacks. So that's going to shake this board up as well. And there's some really good players. Who would? Okay, let me ask you this. Would you have thought that Derwin James would have gone 17th overall in 2018? You know what? No. I, th- I thought he would go. I thought Green Bay had him at 14. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought, because I was told by people that they fell in love with him, that they thought he'd be what he was with San Diego with Mike Penton in his defense. Mm-hmm. And when he was there, I'm like, oh, I was actually at 
a good friend of mine who's a Raiders uh, Raider fanatic. He's also a guy on radio out here in Fresno, Joe Pacheco. I'm at his house watching a draft with him, and I go, oh, you know, here goes Derwin James, and they trade back. I'm like, what? Man, I was and, at the damn draft, and I just knew the Raiders were going to take him at 10, and they traded back. And then they had a chance at 15, and then they got Colton freaking Miller. So I got pissed off yeah. twice. I don't make don't make me relive that. My bad. I should never brought Derwin James up. Yeah, why bring up old stuff, homie? <laughs> Come on, what's up with that? <laughs> My bad. My bad. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a name of a guy who I think is gonna be a bust, who I think is overrated, and I don't. And I hope I'm wrong because I don't want to say that about anybody because talk about somebody in their career and what they do, but I don't think Rashawn Gary out of Michigan is anywhere near the hype that he has based off of the lack of production he's had at Michigan. And I'll probably look at him as a second or third rounder. I don't see him as a guy that should go in round one at all. I think he's going to go in round one. I'm pretty sure he's going to go in round one, but I would agree with you 100%. I do not like him. I've seen him mock to the Raiders many times. I do not want that. I do not hope that that happens. I hope he's nowhere near the Raiders because, again, he checks every athletic box possible. Every single box he checks athletically. But when it comes to production, there's no production. And I want a guy that has production that you can see is okay he's this dude he was this dude against the best competition in college you know what I mean like he was that guy how are you all of a sudden going to produce more and I know it's there's been times when it's happened but how are you going to produce more at the next level when you didn't produce at your lower level you know what I mean like it's it's like if that happens it happens and hey shout out to you but I'm I'm with you 100% I wouldn't want the Raiders to touch Rashawn Gary I just do not think he is the guy matter of fact uh uh, Winovich, I think, is actually the the guy. If I'm going to take a guy, if I'm going to take an edge out of Michigan, I'm going to take Winovich. I'm going to look at Winovich and say, you know what? This is the dude. This is the dude that's going to go get it. He doesn't make it look pretty. He doesn't look like an athletic specimen, but he can go get it done. No, I agree. I think he's a guy, and he's a guy that could go in round the end of round one, beginning of round two type yep. guy. Yep. A, you know, that's what Winovich would be. But I agree. I don't want Rashawn Gary near any team that I like. If it's Green Bay, if it's the Raiders, if it's whomever, I'm cool. I want him to stay the hell away based off of just production or lack thereof. You can have all the measurables. You can be you can be Mike Mamula. I don't care. I want a guy I see production on the field. My boy Rob Rank compares him to Everson Griffin of the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. I don't see that because I got a chance to see Everson up close where he works out, the same area I'm from. And that dude is a is a monster, and he's actually at production. I don't see that with uh, with Gary. That's just that's just me. I, I guess for me, if the Raiders are going to move back, and I'm just talking about I'm staying in the top four. I'm talking about just at the pick number four right now, not 24, 27. Um, I would I would stay the hell away from him. Hell, I would take DK Metcalf over him, and I think DK Metcalf has the highest bust rate of anybody in this draft. Yeah, I wouldn't take DK Metcalf either. I would take. Uh... I would take Brian Burns over him. I would take Brian Burns in, in a heartbeat over him. I think Brian Burns got something. I think he's got – I don't think he's getting enough love, matter of fact. I think he's going to be a guy that whatever team he drops to is going to uh, appreciate him for some years. Uh, I think four might be too, a little bit too high for him. But if the Raiders trade back to like eight or nine, maybe ten, and, and no more farther back, I can see them taking a Brian Burns, and I'd be happy with that. And that that's an edge rusher right there that, that I think is going to uh, be a successful dude in the league for some years. So, yeah, I, I'd be very comfortable with Brian Burns. Okay, so let's move to pick 24. And let's say the Raiders do get their edge rusher out for insert name or, or edge rusher early in, earlier in, in the draft. So, therefore, we don't know who it is. Okay, so you're looking at pick 24. My thought is this. If Hawkinson and Sant are both gone, 
by pick 24, you have to take Irv Smith Jr. Because there, to me, there is a drop-off at tight end after that. And I, I, I know there's Caden Smith out of Stanford, Caleb Wilson, Josh Oliver, Jay Stornberger, Dawson, uh, Dawson Knox, Alizé Mack uh, from Notre Dame by way of Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. You have guys, but I think after Irv Smith, I mean, if you look at it, you got three first-round tight ends, and then the next one probably should be taken in the third or fourth round, being Caden Smith or Caleb, or Caleb Wilson. I think you got to get the tight end there. If not, and a lot of people have Adderley, Nasir Adderley, penciled into the Raiders. I don't think that's the case. I, I don't. I like Abrams from Mississippi State better. He could play. He could play. Uh, I think he's so underrated. I would actually, at that point, if I if my if you have another tight end on the board, let's say Fant is on the board or Hakkasan or Hakkasan is on the board, still at, at 24, you got both of them. I would take Abrams at 24 because the way he controls the defense, the way he is on the back end, he's a guy that's going to come up and bang you. But what I love about the way he plays is you look at the angles he takes when he's hitting somebody. He doesn't slow down. It's full speed. It's always the right angle, and he knows how to tackle. He finishes. And I think that's something that the Raiders sorely need on the back end of the secondary. Not just a ball hawk that can make plays, but a guy that finishes tackles, wraps up, and gets to the play at the right angle so he can secure a tackle. Yeah, I mean, he did He did a really good job his senior year. You know, he had 99 tackles. He had 13 tackles for loss. I think he had three sacks. I mean, he he had the production. Uh, he, you know, he did he did kind of slip a little bit going for the home run hit, trying to go for the knockout hit and, and would miss a few guys. But uh, for the most part, uh, everything you said is spot on about him. So I could totally see him. I think I'd be more comfortable with him at 27. Honestly, I, a guy that we haven't even mentioned yet, and if he's there at 24, I would jump and, and go up and take him. And I don't care uh, who the Raiders got in the, at number four is uh, Cleveland Farrell. If Cleveland Farrell's there, I'm jumping up there and taking yeah. him quick, fast, and in a hurry. I like him. I actually... Uh, my my dream scenario is uh, Williams at four and, and Farrell at twenty four, and, and I'm happy. And then twenty seven is a is a is almost like a you know that when you're playing Uno and you can is no it's not Uno anyway whatever game it is where you could use an ace for one or ten or whatever whatever game that is. Um, I don't know. I don't play cards that often. Twenty one. Yeah, there 21. you go. Yeah, there you go. It, it's one of those, man. It, it's an ace. It's an ace in the hole. That'd be that number twenty seven overall pick if you can go with Farrell at twenty four and you can get Williams at four. I'd be thrilled. Would you be opposed to at twenty four a guy like AJ Brown from Mississippi State? If he's, I mean, he should be there. Um, maybe a Paris Campbell, a guy you can move to the slot. Um, one of those two guys in at that spot. Even though you have Williams, you have AB, you have uh, Ryan Grant, you have JJ Nelson. But you know, Nelson hasn't really produced. He's just a speed guy. Yep. Grant's coming off an injury. And, you know, you got to worry about his production. If you're expecting him to catch for 1,000 yards, you are full of really good drugs because that's not going to happen this year. It's going to be A.B., Williams, and then everybody else. But a guy like Brown could really bridge the gap for a few years. And I, th- I can make the argument, but I'm not going to, that he may be the best receiver in his class. I've, I've said that a couple off, times. production and everything. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I've said that a few times. While everybody was talking about uh, DK Metcalf, I said I think his teammate. I think his teammate's better than him. You know, I, I, I'm a I'm way higher on AJ Brown. I wouldn't mind taking him. I think he'd be another guy that I'd probably wait till number 27, and I might wait too long. Someone else would probably grab him. But uh, worst come to worst, 
you know, the, the one the one guy that, you know, could end up being a steal for the Raiders, and I'm not super high on him, but he's a burner. That's uh, that's Marquise Hollywood Brown. But that lens Frank surgery he had, that kind of scares me, and I wanted to drop him at least to, like, the third round, but he's not going to be there in the third round, and he probably won't be there in the second round. But just say he drops just because teams are kind of concerned about that. If the Raiders feel comfortable with that, I could see him being a take-the-top-off-the-defense type dude. And, you know what I mean? You got Marquise Brown on one side. You got uh, Antonio Brown on the other side. And uh, they're happy as, as can be because they're related. And then you got Tyrell Williams as well. Yeah, I, I can see that being a hell of a receiving core right there because what I've noticed, and one thing that I really broke down and uh, was looking at in some research that I was doing, AB's going to need some help. You know, I mean, he's yep. been he's been a stud. He is a stud. I I, I know this. But last year he worked with onside Juju Smith-Schuster, who was a stud in his own right. So now they have, they just have. I don't. I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, but they just got they got parts next to them now. They had stars next. You know what I mean? They were stars next to each other. Now they just have other pieces around them. So I, I think that they still need to to make that uh, wide receiving core the, just the weapons on offense. Period. I think they do need to step that up to make sure to ensure that AB is going to have a, a a really good productive season and make this uh, Raider offense really uh, a weapon, man. Something that that teams have to prepare themselves for and not something that they think, oh, we just got to double cover AB and we're good. I'll go as far as saying this, brother. I think Hollywood Brown's going top fifteen. Whoa. Wow. I know it's I know I know it sounds crazy, but I think teams are gonna look at the medical and that's why I kinda said his name a little earlier in teams readjusting. I think they're gonna look at the medical. Right. right. I think they're gonna look at I think they're gonna look at the tape. You can play him at the X, the Y, you can play him at the H and the you know, or at the at the in the slot, uh the Z, whatever. Um you could put him as you could put him as an H in the backfield to get him out. You can do a lot of stuff with him that you can't do. You can use him like the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill in a lot of ways. He's yeah. that type of guy. That's true. And I'm, I don't know this. The Raiders aren't going to take him at four. No. If they deal back, they're still not going to take him there. But if he goes top 15, the team to watch is Green Bay. Just mark my words with that. Write that one down. Pencil it in the back of your head with Matt LaFleur's system. Which would mean you got a guy like DK Metcalf that's going to slide a bit. You got an AJ Brown that's going to be there and kill Harry, who I think is a stud. I do too. I like Harry a lot. I do too. Um, would you be opposed to at 24? I know you like your Alabama guys. <laughs> I know you like your Alabama guys. You and Nick Hamilton would, would take Williams, Josh Jacobs, Thompson, and Mac Brown with the top four picture of the Raiders if you had your way. Or Smith, excuse me. Then, then Mac Brown probably the top the Raiders top four picks, and I say that because I'm, I'm just busting your balls, brother. But I mean, you're not you really a- wrong though. I, you see, I didn't object. I was like, <laughs> well, <laughs> I would take Williams. I'm not gonna lie. There was one draft that I did. I had to do a little mock draft, and and I had to go in order of of, of the draft, and so everybody was picking before me, and they were picking all my guys. And they picked Quinny Williams already, so that's the only guy I wasn't able to pick. But I did pick Josh Jacobs at number 24 because I knew Philadelphia wanted him at 25. So I picked Josh Jacobs, and then I did double down with Irv Smith. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Would you be opposed to Jacobs at 24 if you get if the Raiders get the speed rusher or the defensive lineman? I pick at the early pick in the draft. No, I'd be fine with that. I would absolutely be fine with that. And I would say, okay, you know what? You're getting a guy that one for an Alabama running back does not have a lot of wear and tear on his body. I think that that's awesome. That's always the knock on most Alabama running backs is that, well, they've carried the rock too much. He hasn't done that. He can catch the ball of the backfield. He's very Alvin Kamara like, and yeah, I don't know any team that wouldn't 
take an Alvin Kamara guy. I would absolutely take him in a heartbeat. That would close the door on Marshawn Lynch. That would close the door on DeAndre Washington. Jalen Richard's already coming back. Chris Warren's going to be there coming off of IR. He's going to have to earn his spot during training camp, but it'll give him a shot. And then you have uh, you have uh, Crowell. Crowell. Yeah, Crowell that just signed on the one-year deal. He's going to want want to get a little piece of the pie. And then you got a guy in uh, in Jacobs that can do just about everything. Yeah, I'd be I would be thrilled with that. I would think that would be awesome. I really like Jacobs, and I like the story behind him too. And you hell it, yes, if you watch the NFL Network, oh, a little dog. bit he found Watson's commercial. Uh, with him talking about the journey just beginning over again, about him living in uh, uh, his car and in motels. Doc, I saw his um, dad break the whole thing down. His dad is the one who told the story even before that commercial, and it was it was one of those where I looked at I looked up at, at the folks at the house around me, and I was like, I'm not crying. It's allergies. It's that kind of year. It's allergies. That's yeah. <laughs> that was the moment that I had. And and I would agree. I would say this. I think if you can get Allen or Williams at four. And I'm open to Williams out four. I just if you can, you can get yes. one of those two out four. Jacobs at 24, and then at 27, if Irv Smith is there or Noah, or Noah Font is there, you take one of them. I think you win the day if you're John Gruden and Mike Mayock. I think you win the day. You win the draft if those are your first three picks. I'm all in on Jacobs at 24. You said Alvin Kamara. I think Sony Michelle. That's the kind of guy. So I kind of. You know, I think I think he's a little thicker than Michelle, though. But he knows how to work with a, with other running backs. He had to do it at Alabama the last couple of years, and he's good enough to keep Najee Harris off the field. And if you know anything about high school recruiting or college recruiting, Najee Harris has the frame right now to be a starting NFL running back. Josh Jacobs has kept him off the field, which just shows how talented this young man is. Yep. Yep, and when, when Alabama needed a big play, who did they go to? Who did Tua look for? Oh, he looked to Jacobs. All the time. He'd find Jacobs out of the backfield. He did it all the time. And you telling me, I know Richard had a great year uh, for the Raiders in 2018 catching the ball, and, and that's great and all. But, man, Jacobs is, is is man, he 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 can't even carry his jock strap. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a, he's a whole other animal. So, yeah, I would love to see that. And uh, I'll throw one other name out there that I would, if he dropped in the draft, I would love to, for the Raiders to go up there and pick. And if he was there at 27, I, I, again, it's another guy I would run up there and turn the card in for myself. That's a uh, defensive back Byron Murphy out of Washington. I would definitely oh, go, yeah. go make that move if, if available. And he could be, he could be a bookend to Gary on Conley. I think you got two playmaking defensive backs, young dudes. I know Murphy doesn't have a whole lot of starting experience, but he's got a whole lot of starting production. So uh, I would definitely do that. And uh, Bert, M- Byron Murphy, I'd welcome him to the silver and black with open arms i've gone on record on this show and on other shows and saying i think byron murphy's the best corner in this draft he probably should be the first corner taken mm-hmm. in this draft conversely his agent hendrickson is the same as marshawn lynch nice Let's put that out there so you have a little connection there um but i, I wouldn't be mad at, at murphy there but i think if you can get murphy there okay so let's say again okay so first two picks Defensive lineman, defensive end, Williams or Allen at four. I think we agree with Jacobs at 24. Mm-hmm. Can we, okay, 27. You say Murphy. I would go with Murphy there. Again, I go back to the tight end. Right. Unless the only tight end left on the board is Irv Smith. You have to take him there because, quite frankly, the drop-off is dramatic to me with the other tight ends. Like, I go back to that. You really don't have a tight end. Luke Wilson is not the answer. No, no. You, you can. I think Irv Smith fits what Gruden likes to do 
more so than a Noah Font. I think Hyperson fits perfectly because he's he's kind of like he can he's a just a balanced tight end. Font is that new that new age receiving tight end that's okay at blocking that Jimmy Graham type tight end. Right. I think Irv Smith's just a tight end. I, I, and I'm gonna throw a name out there. But he's fast. Smith he's got wheels. He's got wheels though too. So he, you know, what I mean, he can get down the field pretty quick. And he's he's very. What I see when I see Irv Smith is I see Jared Cook. See, I I, I see I see him throwing a name out there. He's older, Key Jackson. Okay, I I, I can see he, that. He, I can see that. Because Key Jackson could he will block his ass off. He'll catch routes. He can run by you. I mean, you look at Key Jackson when he's with the Eagles and with the Packers. He's a guy that was the best tight end in the NFL during that time period. And he was that kind of new age tight end before it was in vogue to have that new age tight end. And he's a guy I think fits exactly what Gruden likes to do. I mean, with, with Cook, yes, he's bigger. He was, he was a decent blocker. He, he was a matcher problem. But you have that with Tyrell Williams now. You have that with, with A.B. on anybody, especially if he's in a slot. No one, how, are you gonna, how are you going to jam him? Now he gets a free release, and he, he's going to be deadly. I think Smith, you can line, line up as an inline blocker or line him up on line of scrimmage with his hand in the ground, and he can release and make plays. And I think he'll be able to engage and really block his ass off to, to free up guys in the running game. I think it makes a lot of sense. Irv Smith at 27 for the Raiders. You know what would be right up my alley, and you already kind of alluded to it, but, man, you get Quentin Williams at four, you get Josh Jacobs at 24, and Irv Smith at 27. You just have Alabama roll tied all the way to Oakland, man. I'd be all good. No problem at all. I know you would love that. I would. I know you would love that. Roll okay, tied. so we're going to go with – we'll go with that as our first round right now, like just talking about it draft-wise, potential guys. And we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back to rounds two and and four because obviously there's no third round pick and we'll talk about guys kind of looking there kind of just break break guys down a little bit more we're not giving you a mock draft just guys that we think fit with john gruden mike manka looking for with the raiders this is q a with your boy q and myself joe rigo on the silver and black pride podcast network powered by sb nation